This is the Brave to Believe Baseball Podcast. All right, you guys, let's listen up. Aloha and hello. Episode 10, Brave to Believe Baseball Podcast. Thanks for joining us again this week. I'm your host, bender of the knee to the Mad Queen and the Braves number 13, Bryce. And as always, I am joined by the man who always calls off the dragons when the bells ring and doesn't understand any of these references, JC. Brother, how's it going? Pretty good. I think I know what you're talking about, but you're right. I, I don't know the intricacies. You're of, correct. Big Bang Theory. Got it right on the head. Uh, the poetry you just wove for us here to start the episode. Uh, if you notice, still allergies are killing me. It's, it's, the, it's the year of the allergies for me. Uh, taking allergy medicine still knows, as you can tell, some congestion going on. Hope it's not too distracting for you. Uh, but on a positive note, my Mets have not lost going into the night since our last podcast. So I'm going to keep the power of positivity rolling your way this week on the episode. However, we're going to f- switch things up a bit and I'm going to let Bryce kick us off with the latest and best news in Tomahawk Nation. Well, the Braves have called up their hottest prospect and no, it is not Louisiana hot sauce as uh, they like to remind you during the games. It is actually Austin Riley. So I want to wish a happy Austin Riley day to all of you Braves fans out there. It is truly a day for celebration as uh, the masher from Gwinnett has been called up playing left field tonight, struck out in his first as bat. We actually have the game going right now. Should see him hit here in just a minute, but uh, so far looked like a natural up there. Uh, Struck out on a changeup to Waka 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 in his first at bats, uh, as did Acuna. So uh, it's, you know, you're facing big, big league pitching for really the first time uh, in in a real major league live game, not spring training or anything like that. So a lot of nerves, I'm sure, but uh, he's looked good so far. So it's been really exciting to have him up, and hopefully he'll be there for an extended time. The move that brought him up was Ender Enciarte going on the injured list with some back tightness last night, and with the way Riley's been hitting he was really unavoidable. Uh, he hit a grand slam last night. He was leading all of the International League in AAA in home runs, runs, uh, total bases, and uh, there was another category, I believe, but just absolutely killing the ball over the past 30 days. So this was unavoidable. He's earned it. Nothing else you could really do. He was probably on pace to hit 40 home runs in the minor leagues, and that's not going to do a whole lot for your big league club, which is what it's all about. So uh, it's a it's a happy day. I know we have our ongoing thing of every time a hot prospect gets called up, it's uh, you know inner inner name here day, and this is uh, the most the biggest one in recent memory. Of we had Acuna last year, of course, and that was a big one towards the middle of the season. And uh, who would the Mets last one have been? Well, Peter Alonso that would have been uh, opening day this year. Yeah, a little bit different, I guess, uh, considering he started on the roster opening day. You know, last year you had to wait a, a bit for Acuna to come up, but uh, yeah. I'm trying to think really probably when Cindergard and, and Harvey Rosario, when he came up to some extent, yeah. but Tebow will be the next big one. I'm sure happy Tebow. Yeah. Tebow struggled so much. It's uh it's not looking good. I think that experiment may be over by the end of this season. Do you, uh, think, he's, it, do you think he's more likely to be playing baseball next year or already uh, training to be in the XFL? <laughs> uh, 
who knows? I mean, I actually thought he might be able to turn it around. I don't want to take up your your Braves time here, but I think he might be able to to be serviceable enough to get a September call up this year. Um, especially as as thin as we are in the outfield, but his stats have just been r- really really pitiful for the most part, most part this year. So I don't really see uh, I don't see that happening. Like I said, I think this will be it. Circling back to what you were talking about, I was just thinking, you know, this is my first time really getting a look at Riley. Kind of the way you know you see prospects. And probably the way I talked about Alonzo, of course, you saw his monster home run. You probably hadn't seen much of Alonzo until he's up now and you can see him. So I've seen highlights of Riley. So I'm looking forward to getting a chance to see him on a regular basis. But um, just thinking, I know you've thought about this, obviously, as a Braves fan. But when you think about the fact, chances are Donaldson's gone after this year. You slot Riley at third. You got Swanson, Albies, Freeman. Uh, I know you have a couple catchers in the minor leagues. One of those guys will be up, if not next year or by the end of this year, to take some of those catching duties away and the outfield so young too for the most part it's this team yeah and our two best position players behind um austin riley christian uh, pache and then drew waters are both going to be are both already top 100 prospects so they're both uh, center fielders uh, i believe they're actually both in double a now uh pache should still be in center and and waters might have been moved to right field I can't uh, remember off the top of my head, but they're both studs and both 20 years old, I believe. I believe Pache might be 19. So they're not far from a call-up either if they keep producing. So If you can just figure out the bullpen issues and then consistency with your starters. You know, Kyle Wright kind of struggled, and he's back down in AAA now. All those guys aren't going to pan out to be superstars. I think Acuna obviously stands out. Riley, from the buzz, if not a superstar, a very, you know, a possible all-star uh, major league player that's just a lot of youth and that you can sustain that if you can figure out the pitching and get your pitching lined up your starters for sure in the bullpen um it's exciting time to be a Braves fan this year may not work out like we said they're still going to be competitive even if they don't um make a run into the playoffs I don't see I think and I heard somebody put it this way the other day don't pay attention to the standings right now uh, that person said it's a four-team race the, those four teams are still going to be in it you know, unless one the Nationals even have been terrible, but everybody in the back of our mind thinks they can make a run for it. So those four teams, at least past the All Star break, are going to be in that race, and it's going to be going to be close, just like we thought it would be. Yeah, and I I completely agree because there's causes for concern. There's some red flags, especially with the bullpen, and uh, even now with the rotation, and there has been sort of all season, but we're still you know, right there with, with the Phillies right now, uh, 500 pretty much as I predicted for the whole year. And if you stay at that mark, I just don't see the Phillies running away with it just yet. They have a really tough stretch coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So you're going to have some opportunities to make up some ground there. So it's going to be a while if the Phillies are going to run away with it, you're still going to have another couple months to, to keep pace and, and see if you can make a move and then maybe get to the all-star break and, um, or the end of July and, and make a big move and, and see what you can do to keep pace with them. So now I'm distracted because Austin Riley's back at the plate. Well, I'll take the mic for a second. I was going to say, I think it would made him on Mets blog that I read the this piece by Matt Cerrone was touching on the schedule. And I didn't realize, I guess I realized how difficult the Mets and Braves schedule had been through the first mm-hmm. uh, couple months of the season. But if you look on the flip side, the Philly schedule has been equally as easy. Mm-hmm. So they're fixing to hit a tough stretch, whereas the Mets and Braves are both going into somewhat of a, a lighter schedule. You know, we we just finished up three or two with the Marlins. One got rained out, and then we 
have three with the Nats, um, and then turn around and play the Marlins again this weekend. So it, it's a welcome change, and I think that's what would the, the point some people were making too was don't go uh, ball, go ball as we're get out of here. The first home run that was that's quite the timing cool. right there. Pretty cool. Um, but as I was saying, the uh, the schedule it's going to even out in the end. But I think that's why people aren't buying into the hype of the Phillies at this time because they're going to have to play better teams, and the Mets and Braves have already played those teams and, as you said, are hovering right at the 500 mark. Yeah, and just to build off of that, I'd actually sent you the other day the Phillies coming up, uh, Brewers, Rockies, Cubs, Brewers, Cardinals, Dodgers, and those are the best teams in the National League right now, and that's what they're going to have to deal with. And if they're going to make up – uh, some ground. They're gonna have to beat those really good teams. So did he, did uh, did we get the silent treatment for Riley there? I don't think so. It looked like everybody was shaking hands with him in the dugout. Oh, that's not fun. Well, that's great. That's a good. Uh, I'm glad we got that here live on the podcast and we're recording. So you can see, obviously, behind the scenes, we're recording this on Wednesday. It'll be released on Thursday, and uh, that's what we're here for to bring you high quality moments like that. So very exciting. Hopefully, we'll see a lot more of those here in the future. But looks good. Good swing. Hit that one a pretty good ways. Note to pitchers from what I just saw, do not throw a high fastball to Riley as he completely crushed that one and put it deep into the seat. So, uh, as as Bryce said, pretty cool. What has she got for us on the Braves front? Uh, nothing but good news, addition by subtraction, and the biggest note would be coming today. Jesse Biddle, DFA'd so long. We hardly knew you. Hopefully that will be the last that we that see. That news him. happened fast because I just I thought he just came back up. Though. He did. He came up last night and he got one out and gave up three runs on four hits. At least he didn't walk anybody. He gave up uh, four hits to the first four batters that he faced, and uh, it looked awful. Looked really bad. And I'm really glad that that's the end of that experiment. You know, he always had good stuff. He's gonna find a place somewhere in the major leagues, but it's not with the Braves. Thank the Lord. Uh, unfortunately, Jerry, uh, Jerry Blevins actually got uh, DFA'd earlier in the week, and that was the head-scratcher for me. He had done a pretty decent job for the Braves, really only had one bad outing this uh, this season, and I thought that he would have earned a few more opportunities, but I do sincere hats off to Jerry Blevins. Happy trails. Hopefully he finds another home uh, soon as well, but Jesse Biddle, good riddance. Don't let the door hit you. Uh, hopefully we can replace those guys in the bullpen and get a little more production, a little more consistency. That's what we're looking for. Newcomb's looked pretty good out of the pen recently. Uh, Luke Jackson still looked really good. Venters came in last night and got touched up. So it's going to take him a little bit to get back into it. And there's a couple of guys that are milling about in AAA that are uh, doing getting producing some good results, so we may see them before too long. But it's just uh, it's a it's a hodgepodge right now. It's, it's a common thing among major league teams to – Stick a bunch of guys out there and see, or throw a bunch of wall, a bunch of stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Uh, and the Braves are one of those teams so far, but not horrible recently. Uh, not great. Uh, Folty's the big question mark at this point. He looked really bad last night. Pretty much every slider he threw or breaking pitch didn't have any movement on it. And when that happens, major league hitters are going to crush it. So some concern there. But Soroka's looked really good again tonight. Had one bad inning, but. Even uh, held them to no damage then. So that's encouraging. Uh, overall, a pretty good week. Um, uh, a West Coast trip, a, a road trip that wound up 5-5, uh, five and five, I believe, even on the road trip, still at 500 for the year. So 
some exciting things coming on, coming down the pike and uh no harm no no foul at this point we're still still in good shape and uh some exciting things going on yeah absolutely uh you got to think at some point the Braves bullpen, like you said, whether they keep cycling through, bringing up some young guys and seeing what they can do, at some point they're going to figure it out because you can't just keep trotting out the same underperformers uh, night after night and expect different results. Well, the most so, frustrating thing, I think, is you have these games that you lose a lead late in the game and you go, well, it's just one game, we'll get back to it tomorrow. But as tight as this division is going to be, you're going to get to the end of the year and two or three of these games are going to be the difference between you competing for a wild card or maybe in the division. You don't know. So you have to take these late losses seriously and you kind of have to, uh, you know, not overreact, but not underreact because these games are going to add up. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, kind of as we touched on earlier on in the season or before the season started, actually, you know, I mentioned that I thought maybe two teams could come out of the East for the, for the wild card, I know you kind of differed on that, but you know, with the Cubs and the and the Brewers being as strong as what they've been, uh, you got to feel like one of those teams is probably going to get in uh, as a wild card as well. So, like you said, you got to you're going to have to, even though it is May, these games are still important. It's hard to convince like a non baseball fan that make all the season so long. Well, you can lose a division in May, just like we we spoke about the Nationals. You know, if they go. Or winning, beating the Mets tonight, but you know if they go on a losing streak over the next seven to ten days, they could realistically be out of the division at that point. And it's hard to believe in two months you can your whole season can just slip away. Yeah, and it's you don't uh, you don't think about it that much. Like you said, as a casual fan, you think there's 162 games, you can always make it up, and you do have plenty of time still left in the season. But I've been in that position we both have, being fans of teams who missed the playoffs by, you know, a couple of games, and you think back to this time of the year and you go, man, that one game where we blew it in the ninth inning and had it easily if you could have just thrown one pitch. Those are the games that stick with you throughout the year, and, you know, you, you have time to make it up throughout the year, but it's it, as an as a irrational fan, you feel like those are the games that cost you the season. So you want to minimize those as much as possible and – and not have those linger throughout the year. No, I agree. Are you good on your Braves news? I think that's it for uh, Braves news this week. Uh, all is want to kind of good. show us the picture for the next next week. Uh, what the schedule looks like. Sorry to put you on the spot. No, we're good. I, I only know the Mets schedule so well because we're like I said, we're kind of hitting a light spot. Um, but I was just curious what the Braves had uh, after they wrap up this Cardinal series. Yeah, I knew it was Milwaukee. And then uh, we go out to, of course, uh, back to the West Coast. We have San Francisco and then St. Louis again. So uh, the San Francisco not playing great baseball right now. Hopefully that's an opportunity to gain a couple games. Then you got Detroit and Pittsburgh and Miami after that, and then Pittsburgh more. So there's going to be some some series coming up for the Braves where you have uh, have some chances to gain a few games if they can pull it together and, and stay healthy and and get some results but I mean that's that's every baseball team so well and kind of circling back to Riley you know you kind of think you know I joked uh texting Bryce earlier today saying you know did uh, or maybe when we spoke on the phone I said you know did it did the blowout last night cause him to have a knee-jerk reaction to get Riley up there and that was really a joke but at the same time for a team that you know they're kind of like the Mets they're kind of stuck in neutral they're not slipping but at the Mm -hmm. same time 
they're not they can't put together a, a sustained winning streak in the back of their mind they may not be realizing but a guy like Riley can spark your offense especially and hopefully maybe you can just outscore everybody bringing up a, a hot prospect like that kind of bring some life to the team you'd have to think absolutely and it's going to be beneficial with those series coming up where you're not going to be facing a murderer's row of starters against any of the teams that are coming up the the, the brewers of course are uh, arguably the best team in the national league but none of the other teams are going to uh, really scare you with their starting pitching and hopefully that can allow Riley to get more of his bearings since he's going to be up for at least 10 days and and be able to get several at bats in so hopefully he can get comfortable and and make a permanent spot for himself and like I said the Braves can uh, get on a nice little roll here and hit that uh, three over 500 mark that I predicted for the end of May since the uh well, here's some more breaking news. Just as Ross, just on the world of baseball, Andahar for the Yankees that just broke that he is having season-ending surgery. So that's another hard, not great, Bob. Uh, tough injury for the Yankees. As I was going to wrap up the Braves news, though, since we got to throw around a lot of predictions, I know you probably didn't anticipate Riley being up this early in the season. Perhaps um, uh, two-part question: Do you think that he remains on the roster? The, you know he doesn't get sent back down this season uh, that's my first question second question assuming he does stay on the roster and get some get some uh quality get some playing time um where do you see his numbers looking like by the end of the season now, obviously he's not going to be on the tear that he was at triple a you wouldn't right. think but Hopefully. just kind of what do you say it's just a part-time you know it's going to have to be part-time you'd think unless he just plays his way into knocking nciarte or one of the outfielders if he produces, he could uh, cause NCRT to have quite a bit of reduced playing time just because NCRT had played, had hit so poorly prior to this stint. Um, I see Riley going down one one time this season, one more time before he comes back in September. I could see him staying up now for maybe a month or so, and then once pitchers sort of get a little bit of feed on him uh, – then I could see him being sent back down for you know a week or so just to get his bearings back and and get his uh, adjust, make a couple of adjustments before he's brought back up before the end of the year. But I think you'll uh, you know make one more trip back down to Gwinnett for whatever reason it may be. And by the end of the year, I think you could see some final lines of roughly two fifty, uh, maybe maybe 10 homers that might be uh that might be a little bit of wishful thinking but if he's getting solid playing time the guy's strong enough and makes hard enough contact i could see him getting into double digit homers uh playing maybe a total of uh would say 70 games the rest of the year um and and really maybe the strikeouts are going to be a little bit higher than you want to and maybe that's why he winds up down at Gwinnett at some point but he's too good of a hitter and too strong not to hit several home one home runs uh, while he's up. I mean, he just hit one tonight, so he's off to a good start. He's only got nine more to go. So, um, I would I would say that's the 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 predictions I would feel comfortable making for the rest of the year. Yeah, that was gonna kind of be my thought. Just just based on the fact of he probably won't get enough playing time. Right. You're not looking at a you know a rookie of the year candidate just based on the fact that he's not going to get enough at bats. Not necessarily to qualify, but like you said, maybe 70, 75, 80 games. That's probably what you're going to see out of him throughout the rest of the season. 
Yeah, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all. So, but that's uh, that's where we're at in Braves land for this week. All seems to be moving pretty well, still hanging on. So, I will uh, I'll allow you, brother, to take over. I know you have plenty of uh, plenty of tidbits to throw at us for this week. Yeah, just a couple of things I want to touch on. Um, my optimism on Jed Lowry uh, on last week's episode was immediately squashed <laughs> by the time the weekend was over. Um, he has a hamstring injury, and he's been shut back down, shut down again for at least they said I think three weeks, two weeks. Then they're going to reevaluate, so they're looking at probably another month before we'd see him. You know the funny thing about this, as I'm as I'm. I'll, conveying I'll, this to the team, I will tell to you what's listeners. funny. And tell you what's funny, and that's this is the the nice to have this dynamic of being brothers and fans of opposite teams. When you sent me the tweet that he was going to be out, boy, I laughed and laughed, and I like Jed Lowry, and I'm ready for him to be there for the Mets and produce. But just the sheer fact that he is still injured and it's going to be even longer was quite humorous to me as as a non Mets fan. Because I went on and on about it last week, about how excited it was going to change. Yeah, that does help. Well, the the funny thing is not really funny, but what I was going to say would be that I've yet to see him in a Mets uniform. No one has seen him in a Mets uniform outside of his introductory press conference because he got hurt before spring training started. He had the knee issue. He has didn't play at all in spring training and didn't do like an extended spring training or anything. So he's only been at like double A playing games. So he's yet to put on a Mets uniform. And I guess in a way it's good for the Mets because they have some really tough decisions to make when Lowry does get up there, whether that's – and I don't think it's going to be Todd Frazier, but he's he's one of those people. Dom Smith hit his first home run of the season last night. He could be another guy that is a roster casually going back down. Did I also see or hear that – uh, Todd Frazier was hitting eighth last night. Yeah, that's probably right. Bat. Yeah, he can't. His defense has been pretty <laughs> solid, but there's his, his bat's just a liability. And JD Davis started tonight. He's been starting pretty much every day at third base, which that's where Lowry will slot in. So that's going to take away more playing time from JD Davis. He has options, so they can actually option JD Davis down. Uh, Keon Broxon. I'm not trying to bore people with a bunch of roster moves, but Keon Broxon, who we traded for, and I was very excited going into the season hasn't done anything uh neither is Juan Lagares but we're paying him nine million dollars we paid uh gave up three prospects for Broxton nine million for Lagares pick which pick your poison which one you're going to get rid of are you going to eat the money and try to trade Lagares or just you know DFAM uh Broxton has no options so if they release him they release him then you just gave up prospects for nothing but it's very it's frustrating because a lot of the depth that I thought was there, J.D. Davis has been solid. Keon Roxon has been not been good. And Juan Lagares has not been good. And you would think maybe they could slot Nemo in there, play Nemo, Conforto, and McNeil. But outside of a handful of at-bats, Nemo's not been good either. So right. I'm kind of dumbfounded on my first point just talking about that. I, I thought maybe when Lowry comes back, it would be a lot more – the lineup for sure would look more clear – because uh, Rosario hit second tonight. That's not going to be regular. You know, Lowry's probably going to slot in that two spot. And he's switch hitter. But it is what it is. It's the way it breaks. Maybe you hope you'll be healthy when he comes back, be 100%. But chances are that's not going to be until the middle of June. So we wait and hope that there's no more bad news. You know, hamstrings can, as uh, 
as everybody knows, can can really linger and just, you know, it's hard to get those healed. Uh, it's happened to a lot of guys and they re-aggravate it. Right. And you just hope that his his road back is a quick one and he can contribute because we're paying him, you know, signed a two-year deal for $20 million, something like that. You know, you need that bat in the lineup. So, And I'll tell you what's, what's interesting to look back now is – looking at guys that didn't have a job for a while or didn't sign the number one being a guy that we've gotten a really good glimpse at the past couple of weeks and that's adam jones who just killed us in the uh two series that we played against the diamondbacks he's having a great year and guys that held out forever couldn't get a job couldn't find a contract anywhere and really producing well um you know similar to that so it's just um now you're going to start seeing those situations where teams have those needs and you could have pointed to it and went, that's a guy that you could have whenever you went for somebody cheaper, even for what Adam Jones signed for. But it's it's kind of fun to look back now, and you're going to see more more spots like that where you had an opportunity to sign sign a couple of these guys who you didn't think had anything left, and and you know they're producing for somebody else now. Not that he would have solved the Mets' problems, right. but it's it's a guy that you you look at now and he would have been he's having a better season than Juan Lagares is and he's not he's not not Juan Lagares with the glove but he's having a great season at the plate in a ballpark that's similar to City Field in the way that it's not necessarily lenient towards hitters yeah I think that and I do this a lot and Bryce hears these rants or, or how I feel about things I feel like that where just like you said Adam Jones I don't know how much he has left in the tank but he's having a great season so far I see the Keon Broxton deal, and I'm convincing myself, like, oh, he's got speed. He's a great defender. If his back can just come on a little bit, well, he's exactly who he thought he was going to be. Plus defender, can hit. And we already have a guy like that on our team. So even at that time, people were like, that doesn't really make sense. Why are we adding a, you know, pick up a lefty? You know, at that time, I think Markakis was still available. Why not go get a, right. a Markakis, you know, get a lefty bat? who is a decent defender and still has a little bit of pop left. And I think we had said here, I know I said at least um, Marcakis made a great, I thought he made a great fit for the Mets. And he's still having a good year. He's hitting uh, right about 295. He's had some bad luck the past month or so, but his his batting average on balls in play, he's hitting it hard, but he's just hitting it right at people. So he's just had some bad luck, and he's still got that veteran presence that, uh, you know, I'm sure the Mets could have utilized, and we're only paying him $6 million, so. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty at the time, kind of a head scratcher, and now we're going to realize it's going to be very interesting because Brody, for as as boisterous and as you know, I don't want to say attention seeking, but he appreciated, you know, he enjoyed the spotlight being on him. He's been radio silent since the season started, which you don't typically hear from your GMs much uh, after the the first pitch is thrown to start the season, but you're going to be hearing from him pretty soon because he's got some pretty tough decisions to make because some of these guys are going to be gone. And, I mean, there's no way about it. You have to look at your roster. You know who's going to be there. And there's a handful, say, three or four guys that you're going to have to pick and see who who gets let go. And those aren't easy decisions. Um, But this is a team at 500 and could probably stand to be shaken up just a little bit as far as uh, their bench goes. Well, when you get to the trade deadline, I think it's going to be really a fun storyline to follow this year because there's going to be so many teams that are going to be in that zone of still thinking they have a shot at it Mets and Braves will both be there about 500 teams that are still within striking distance of the division lead um, you'll have three teams still looking to make moves in the NL Central trying to get better and you'll have 
you know, a couple teams from out west and and four teams from the NL East trying to make moves to get better and, and gain a hold of that uh, top spot. So there's going to be so many teams, and there's not going to be enough players to go around to trade for. So it's going to drive stuff up so outrageously high for the asking price for some of these guys. That was going to be my my second point. Is you're going to have so many, as you mentioned, so many teams that think they're in it. And then so few players that are actually going to be available because those trades happen in the off season now, or they happen a year earlier than what you expect, or two years earlier than what you expected. You don't wait till a guy gets in his final walk here. Um, and just like the Mets, I mean, they have Zach Wheeler, a guy who, if they're out of it, I don't think they will be. We'll see. Uh, could be available, but you take him out. I mean, the pitching—he's going to be a top free agent. I can't believe I'm saying that in the off season. You know, these are some of the guys we're talking about. And if, you know, there's going to be a lot of those guys on teams, like we said, who think they're competitive and get a chance. There's, I mean, there's a couple of guys, uh, I believe, within the Giants bullpen. And then there's one, the main target will be in the Marlins bullpen. They have a, uh, I think it's Anderson that's uh, really good and is going to be one of the top uh, trade chips at the deadline that everybody's going to want to go after. So they're going to be able to get a lot for him, especially this year with uh, as many bad bullpens as there are and as few uh, options as there, are, as there are in the trade market. So it's really, uh, really going to ramp up the, uh, the tension for the deadline uh, at the end of July, and I think it's going to be uh, a lot more active than it has in years past and, and a lot more high stakes than it has been, too. Yep, and um, it's, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see uh, how all that pans out. Um, switching, uh, switching gears just a little bit, the Mets rotation – Syndergaard pitched an outstanding game last night. DeGrom, by all indications, is back. Mats was looking great before his injury. Hopefully he's back. Um, It's just that – and Wheeler's been pretty solid. But it just like as we go back to that we thought the whole time, the fifth starter spot is the fifth starter spot. You're just wanting a guy to keep, you, keep your head above water. But – we have no depth. Jason Vargas has been adequate. Uh, Wilmer Fon, who pitched tonight, not there. So he probably won't get another shot. I'm assuming Vargas is going to be back pretty soon. I just still feel like if it's anybody other than those four, and really I would go down to to Wheeler, Syndergaard, and DeGrom, I don't it's, – it's a coin toss whether we have a shot to win that night. We're either going to get blown out or maybe we luck up and win one. And I know that's how it is every game for the most part, but – when you have those pitchers that can give you length into a ball game, get you to the seventh inning, possibly the eighth, and don't tax your bullpen, you have a lot more confidence. And it's just something – I think if there's one thing I could point out, it's just that lack of quality fifth starter on this team. And I'm not even asking it to be an ace. I just want somebody that can go out and, you know, give you some innings, log some innings, and not completely blow the game where you're out of it by the third inning. Well, I have a name for you, and I'd run across this uh, the other day. Why is James Shields not an option? Why is Wilmer Font pitching for the Mets and not James Shields, who has shown he's an adequate pitcher at the major leagues? And I just saw, I believe he had a 4-5 four, four, ERA last year, but is a very dependable guy who is going to eat some innings and at least keep you in most of the games that he's pitching in. Has, has that even been mentioned as a possibility? I haven't heard that name. I haven't heard any names come up. So it's almost like the Mets aren't either they're playing their cards, cards close to the vest when it comes to people like Keiko or James Shields, or they think they have, I don't know where they think the depth is. I and mean, they probably think that Vargas is going to come back and 
that'll just round it out and we'll keep keep strutting him out there. But I mean, you know, he gives you one good start out of five. Is that that's, that's not, not the good. consistency I want. No. So something to keep an eye on. I hope that it I hope there's some sort of acquisition to kind of shore up that rotation. Because our bullpen, as much as as bad as the numbers were there for a stretch, Diaz has been pretty unstoppable. He's had a couple of blips on the radar, but for the most part has been very solid. Seth Lugo has been very good. Gaselman is kind of shaping back into place. Familia's coming back, but they're not going to give him the setup role right away. So it's the well, team that the one thing I will say injuries has not really hurt us. Knock on wood. Well, yeah, the we've had a few other, about that. other than you know Lowry being out. You know, for the most part, our team is who we thought they were going to be on the field. Um, just not the results that we expected. Yeah, and I think in in both of those ways, the Braves and Mets are still very similar. Injuries haven't been a problem. Uh, Nciarte is on the injured list now. McCann spent some time there, and then Fulte joined us late. But that's really been it. We haven't dealt with any other kind of injuries this year. And then uh, I think the uh, both of our teams have have really had in common the seesaw of not being able to get the rotation and the bullpen on the same page. Rotation looks good. Bullpen's bad. Bullpen's good. Rotation's bad. So I know there's there's probably something more to that that when your rotation's bad bullpen isn't under as much stress you know um the games get a little more out of hand or or, you know you're behind a couple runs it's easier to come in from the bullpen if you're behind so uh i think that there's something something to that i mean that's just baseball baseball 101 susan and uh we uh we have that in common and hopefully we can both both of our teams can get on the same page and, and and moving forward can can possibly string together something to where all of our pitchers, uh, you know, are clicking at the same time. Snuck that one in on me. <laughs> um, and I lost my train of thought. For the, for the first time, I can't think of where I was going. I was going to say, before I get on to the Mets schedule for the next week, um, my only fear, you know, where, with bo- where both of our teams are, because we're, what, within a game of each other. I think we're actually tied um, uh, going into the night's games, but – is is the, the how poorly the Nationals have played? Are we missing a chance to completely bury them? The Mets have uh, seven of their next uh, ten after going to yesterday's game with the Nationals, and I hope that they can win five or six of those games. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, as injured and beat up as they as they've been, are we going to look back on this and think, "Wow, that's a team we could have really." You know, not unless the not unless they come back and win the division. I mean, if they race past us, if they if they get healthy and race past both of our teams, it's going to be eh, if they finish second and they're not and they don't you know beat us out of a wild card, it's not going to be that much lost. If they race to to beat the division and we see that you know we could have uh, made it more competitive and and put some ground in between us and them, then that'll sting a little bit more. But for me. I, and you may be on the same page. If my team doesn't finish first and we don't win a wild card, I don't care what position we finish in. I don't care if we're dead last. If we're competitive and, and we're there all year, that's what I want to see. But if we lose a division by two games and there's no wild card or if we lose by 15, there's not really that much of a difference as long as I feel like we're fielding a competitive team and we're getting better or we're going in the right direction. If you're the Marlins and you're not going in a direction and you stink, then 
that's when it's not fun. But when you're ha- when you're a 500 club and you're playing good baseball all year and, and you're staying in the thick of it, losing the division by five or eight games is not really going to matter that much. Well, you know, at this point last year, and I'd have to go back and look at the standings, we were in our free fall. By the end of June, you know, the season was over. After we start, got off to that great, I think, 11-2 and two start, mm-hmm. we just completely – everything just came apart, whether it was injuries or just poor play. By the end of June, our season was over. Now, we recovered for the at the end of the second half and, and played well. But I hope that that's – I hope that we're going to recover. I mean, we're still at 500. Even if we lose tonight's game, you know, we're going to be – you know, still have a – if you – Make compet- stay competitive in these series and just don't completely get swept and go on a prolonged losing streak, you should still be in it uh, as the season goes on. I just hope there's not a free fall because if not, I'm pretty sure if there is, I'm pretty sure that Mickey Calloway won't survive another free fall like he did last year. No, and I think that's justified. I think that there's the talent's been there this year. The injuries have played a role, but not enough to where this is a – uh, you know, a fourth or you – know, well, I'm not going to say fifth. There's no chance they finish in last. So, uh, but that Marlins team is – not. To, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the, they they have good, enough decent young starting pitching that they're going to play spoiler at some point. Yeah. And as the season goes on, they're only going to get better. I feel like now they're a punching bag. We haven't lost yet. We've beat them, played them five games, and we've, we've won all five. Um, their pitching – starting pitching is going to be decent, so that's going to keep them in some games – I'm not saying they're going to make a run or be competitive, but because there's so many games against that team, they're going to spoil the chances for one of the teams in the East. Uh, there's a decent chance of that. Yeah. I mean, and the talent, they do have some talent there that's going to be enough of a headache just as they always are towards the end of the year. But I'm not willing to go on the record like you just did saying they're going to win the East. So we're, uh, that's, that's a bold prediction. I respect you for it, but it's a little out there for me. Can we play that tape back to see exactly no, what was said? That's not how computers work. Uh, going to the Mets re- or schedule for the next week until we're back with you again next week. They finish up tonight and tomorrow with the Nationals. Head into the weekend at City Field against the Marlins. Yes. And then, I don't think that's correct. Either way. Uh, they play a team. Somewhere. They play the Marlins this weekend, but I have to go back and look and see uh, where that game, where those games are going to be played. And then four, I think that's right, head to Miami for three, back home uh, for four against the Nationals at home at City Field. So a pretty good, uh, you can look at it as kind of a weaker stretch, but still got to go out and win those games. We have these three against the Nats, and we somehow, somehow we're able to miss Scherzer and Strasburg. We did play, uh, facing Corbin tonight, but... Pretty interesting uh, next week for the Mets, and I'll uh, see. I'm anxious to see what my tone will be next week uh, after seeing how they fared uh, over the next seven days. We have one more at bat here with Austin Riley against John Brabia of the Cardinals. Got your pitcher too here. If you didn't hear that, yeah, we'll uh, let's just keep it going before we tell you how you can join us. Uh, actually, we'll go ahead and give you that. Join us. Um, you can listen to the podcast. Long fly ball to the warning track. Caught. You have to do the official uh, chip carry call for that. High fly ball, deep center field. That's going to be out number one. You can catch us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple. Um, listen to me. <laughs> Apple Podcasts. 
And uh, if you don't mind, hop over to Apple if you haven't already. You don't even have to, to give a comment if you don't want to, but give us a review. We'd love it if you gave us a comment uh, if you enjoy the show. Even if you don't, give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. No, just give us positive reviews. Yeah, that's true. We don't Please want bad don't review. leave bad reviews. Do <laughs> uh, you want to let them know where they can catch us on social media? Twitter and Instagram at Brave the Number Two Believe. Shoot us an email. That's where you can send those negative feedback and comments. Uh, brave to Believe the Number Two Pod at Gmail dot com. Yeah, and uh, like Bryce said, if you as we're doing this on a weekly uh, basis, we know this isn't something you're going to go back to the archives and listen to an episode a long time ago, unless it's a general episode. But if we're telling you what's going on in that week for these two teams, you know. It's going to be that week you want to listen to it. But what do you want to hear? Are we touching on everything you want to hear? Are we not? Not saying we're going to use your comments or criticism, (laughs) but if you want to pass them along, it would be greatly appreciated. We thank everybody who subscribes and downloads every week. Uh, We see those numbers, and we know you're out there, and we greatly appreciate it. Bryce, do you have anything else for us? No, I believe that's it. Any more Game of Thrones puns you want to throw in? No, I don't think so. Last episode's coming up this week, so I'll probably have some more next week. I'm going to go watch the replay of this Austin Riley home run about 400 times and uh, hope uh, Soroka shuts the rest of this game down and we can go home with a win against the the Dirty Redbirds. I appreciate you joining us this week. For Episode 10 of the Brave to Believe Baseball Podcast, we'll be back with you again same time next week. Have a good one. Rest in peace, Dorf. Dorf.